You're listening to the Skyscanner Travel Podcast. Welcome to the Skyscanner Travel Podcast with myself, Sam Baldwin. With me, Hugh Beecham. And me, Katerina. Today's podcast is all about traveling solo. The, the pros and the cons of, of traveling on your own, um, setting off into the world without anyone else with you. Before we, we sort of roll into that, I'd just like to say a little, say a little ode to uh, our previous podcast member, James T, who is, he's, he's been with us for several podcasts. I know from the listeners that he was one of your favorite uh, members of the podcast. Um, he's, he's moved on to Pastures New. Um, he may, well, may return to do the yeah. occasional podcast, but uh, just a little ode to James T there. Bigger and better things. No more references to European CEO magazine or his white suit or his Panama hat. I'm sure yeah. we'll all miss those. R.I.P. So yeah, today's podcast... <laughs> just to be clear, he's not dead. <laughs> today's podcast, Travelling Solo. So firstly, let's have a little uh, chat about what exactly is it does, it, does it mean to travel solo? Well, it doesn't mean to be lonely, for sure. It just means... Uh, to travel alone without a partner or without a group of people, but for sure it doesn't mean to travel totally solo or not meet anyone. Well, unless you want to. Unless you do want to, yeah, that's great. That's the fun part. Yeah, it's perhaps a bit of a misnomer because although you may set off on your own, what inevitably happens when you do that is actually you end up meeting a lot of people. So although it might be a little bit scary to somebody who's never been travelling uh, alone before um, actually it's a really enriching experience and all of us all three of us here have done quite a lot of traveling on our own um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the things that we've discovered as we've done that but let's first talk a little bit about why travel solo so what are the really good things about doing it alone I think for me number one is you can do whatever you want whenever you want to really you're not beholden to anyone else's plans or you know, the things that they may or may not like uh, while you're traveling. So, you know, you can just be totally free to, to do what you like. I totally agree. And I would add to that that uh, one of the best thing is to actually be able to meet new people and local people and really experience the, the local things that if you travel with other uh, with other people, maybe from your country, you then tend to, uh, you know, just group and, and not, you know, go and, and be bold and be courageous and brave and, and do things that otherwise you, you wouldn't do because you have to meet these people. You have to be in that situation in which you need to communicate and to experience the things, how they are in the place where you go. Yeah, I think if you're in a group, it's very easy to, to slip back into that comfort bubble. So for me, I think it's about total and utter freedom, really, both before you go. So you get the choice of exactly where you go, what country or city you don't have to kind of rely on your friends getting back to you about doing the trip it's all down to you no one no, you have to worry about flaky friends and then once you're actually on the trip again you choose where you go when you go that's quite empowering really it is quite empowering because depending if you are you know a very social person that needs to be with people all the time or you know you feel 
okay by yourself and you really need to you know spend some time by yourself uh, traveling solo actually allows you to do both at the time that you you want uh, so sometimes you might want you know to be surrounded with people and there are actually many many ways to do that while you're traveling solo and sometimes you just want to relax and read your book and you know think about your things and go to your weird travel museum yeah. right <laughs> yeah like as has been regularly established on this podcast i am a nerd and <laughs> particularly enjoy going to visit museums when i'm in cities and some people who i travel with might like to do a bit of that but they might not like to do it quite as much as i do so you know when you're on your own it just gives you the opportunity to go and do that or or just wander off there's, there's a great joy in just wandering around a city that you don't know and allowing yourself to get a bit lost and also, it gives you total control over every part of your trip. So sometimes if you're with a group or with your other half, you might have different ideas on the amount of money you want to spend on food or the level of accommodation. You know, maybe your friends are backpacker budget travellers and you're a luxury traveller or the other way around. If you're on your own, you do exactly what you want. You can spend how much you want. You can stay in exactly the type of accommodation you want. And you can change your mind. So at any point of your travel, you can decide, I stay, I go. Uh, I had the plan, actually. Who cares about the plan? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Yeah, exactly. You can, you can stay there and you can change it. That is something you cannot really do when you travel with other people because you have to, you know, come to compromises a lot of time. That is good, but there is also this positive aspect. Another great thing, we, we did touch on it a little bit earlier before, but is the, is the opportunity to meet new people. So... Although you may set off alone, ultimately, you rarely will be alone for long, unless you want to be. Absolutely. I mean, best, some of the best friendship I've ever made have started with one of my solo travelers. So I have friends all around the world, thanks, because I, I was traveling alone and I made this really tight friendship that I haven't made when I was traveling with other friends because, of course, I had my other friends. Yeah, you, you have, you're much more approachable when you're on your own and you're much more likely to make the effort yourself to kind of meet new people. If you're with a group of people already or with a, a partner, you tend to stay in that, that group a little bit more. So you're, you're less likely to meet other people on the road or local people. Of, of course, you still can. But Let's say comfort bubble a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, traveling alone is much about going outside your comfort bubble, uh, but it's totally worth it for, uh, from, in my opinion. I mean, it's, uh, it's something that allows you to uh, explore new things, do totally new things that you wouldn't do with other people, you know, uh, be totally free, be totally um, in control of what you want to do, be social or be alone with yourself. It's totally up to you. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's a bit bit sort of hippie-ish, but it's almost like you do, you can kind of learn a little bit more about yourself and uh, you're kind of testing yourself really when you're on your own because you're self-reliant. You've got a, you're responsible for every part of your trip. You can't rely on your friends or your other half to uh, sort out that flight or translate the menu. You have to do everything. And that can be quite daunting, I think, at first. And like you say, Katarina, you, you, it's often outside of your comfort zone but once you've done it and you realize hey this isn't so hard actually um it's a pretty rewarding experience it's interesting you're talking about menus because that's one of the things that i think about a lot around this is 
being in a place so I went to Tokyo last year for example on my own for 10 days um, and just explored the city and you know I love love Japanese food and I ate an awful lot of Japanese food and was, wanted to explore as much different kinds of Japanese food as possible and one of the things that's interesting there is I don't read Japanese I don't really speak Japanese I can say I would like that one thank you and sorry um, and that's about it so ordering was an interesting experience particularly if I didn't have somebody else there who could read the menu or speak Japanese or or any of that but it was great you know it, it never ended badly um, I always ended up getting something delicious but if I'd had somebody the first few days I felt maybe I was lacking that little bit of moral support if there was even if somebody with me also didn't speak Japanese and didn't know what was going on then you could have a bit of a bit of a laugh and a joke about oh aren't we doing a terrible job of ordering lunch but um once you get through that feeling it's great you, you know you still you have that experience you open yourself up to new things it's great did you find that the the japanese people in the restaurants for example were they quite helpful to you did they sort of try and help you out because you were a, a lone traveler um yeah a bit not massively i mean a lot of the time you know you order order a lot of ramen from vending machines um <laughs> so uh, th- that was the vending machine didn't take pity on you. It did not. Alone. It did not, Sam. No. So uh, you know, it's they not- have various Mars vending machine. Yeah. Ma- machine there. Yeah, so. but I mean, it wasn't like just to be clear, the food wasn't coming out of the vending machine. The vending machine was essentially the ordering system, uh-huh. right? So yeah. you'd go up, and there, there's a load of buttons, sometimes with pictures on, more often without, and they have some words and a price and you push things and you get a little ticket and you give it to your server and then they bring you what you ordered and so yeah th- good luck with that well you know once i'd worked out what the what the japanese character for egg was and uh you know and ramen and things like that we were we were you're, laughing you're, and then who, and then i would get all sorts of other interesting things on top of my noodles which you know were, were always a delight so and, and that thing's part of it is is um Going a bit into the unknown, you know, so that's a, that's a kind of miniature example, Hugh, that you've described there, that you didn't know exactly what you were ordering, but you're opening yourself a bit up, you go, you know, whatever, I, whatever our food I get, I'll give it a shot. Worst case scenario, you're ordering another one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a friend of mine was also recently in Tokyo, and a colleague from work, and he sat at the bar in a um, yakitori place, and... The uh, he had the experience where the the chef went ah you know you're a, you're a tourist I can see this from you know the way that you are talking and interacting with your surroundings but um, I'm I'm going to give you what I think you ought to have and that's basically what happened he had a meal where the guy brought him dish after dish of the things that he thought he would like and he was right every single time and I think that is something that you experience more as a a solo traveller is the the kindness of strangers. I think generally locals tend to be more inclined to interact with you as a, as a lone traveller and maybe kind of help you out a bit more or invite you in. And I've certainly experienced this many on many occasions. Um, one example I can think of, I, was, I spent about five weeks travelling alone around Slovenia, a country that I really like. And I remember one night I was just sitting at a bar. It was pretty quiet, but there was one other table of locals, um, kind of young, youngish guys. I went and ordered a beer and sat down on a different table. And within within a minute, they'd seen I was a kind of a lone traveller and 
invited me to drink with them and end up having a really nice night with them and they told me lots of interesting things about the area. So I suspect if I'd been in a group or a, a couple, they wouldn't have bothered. Um, and that sort of thing happened to me quite a lot. So you definitely seem to get taken in under the wing of the locals more. Absolutely. And I mean, let's talk also about how they can be helpful uh, in in situation where you'd actually need help. So uh, the most basic one is oh, you need the direction to somewhere or you need help with the language. So many times in Japan as well, I had people actually bringing me to the place because I couldn't understand what they were saying. So they were like, okay, I'll just bring you. Uh, but not, you know, not five minutes walk, actually proper walks. Yeah. Um, another time in uh, in Brazil, I was in Fernando de Doronha. That is a little island. It's a reserve. There is nothing, like maybe a hundred houses and that's it. And I had a really bad allergic reaction. I was in the beach. Uh, the beach was quite far from the only road that there was there. And I was really, really in pain. And, you know, some people there saw me in, in this and they actually took me with their... Uh, how do you say dune baggy yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, up to the you know to the village and to the well hospital maybe it's too much call it hospital clinic yeah, yeah. Uh, where they fixed me there. so the, the kind of kindness that you see when you're alone it's unbelievable uh, yeah and i and i've also been on the other side of that when i've been in a group and i've seen um a kind of lone traveler and, and i've invited them to join our group because i kind of I think there's like a, almost like a... A code. A code, yeah, a code, you know. And you, so we were at a little place we were staying at and there was like five of us and there was one guy sitting on his own and it was that was it. There was no one else in this in this restaurant and I just was like, we, you can't have him sitting on his own, you know. I invited him over and, yeah, you meet someone new. So, yeah, there's definitely that um, feeling that if you're on your own, you're more likely to be taken in, I think. So, okay, we've talked a few things about the, the really brilliant things about traveling on your own. But, of course, there are a few challenges and a few probably sort of worries that you might have if you've never done it before. Um, I think the first thing is probably just the actual thought of it. Um, it kind of is scary, right? If you've never, if yeah. you, if you've only ever traveled with friends or family, just to, you're on your own. Like, what, what if something goes wrong? What happens if I don't speak the language? There's no one else to turn to. Katharina is shaking her head. She's obviously fearless, but yeah. but for me, it was certainly it was a bit intimidating. <laughs> no, so, I, I I totally agree. I mean, every time I I go by myself uh, traveling alone, I have you know the period before I go bananas. I'm I'm really scared. I'm scared of feeling lonely. Of you know, you never know what's gonna happen. Is the the question mark of you know I'm am I gonna you know really get bored? A lot, <laughs> uh, you know, and and every time, every experience that I that I did, it was just the opposite. So that's why I was shaking my head. It's like, yeah, but yeah, you gotta do that. But it pays it, off. It, it exactly, it pays off. I think I think the the fear is real, but it's nothing to be scared of in reality. I'm still scared. I'm going to South Korea uh, in two weeks, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> what is gonna happen? It's like. I have just uh, the flight. I haven't booked anything. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who am I talking to. I don't know if I'm going to have fun or if I'm going to spend, you know, two weeks by myself reading books. And I guess I'm okay with, with either. Uh, yeah, I suppose you're a fairly well-experienced solo traveler now. So you know what to do in different situations. You know if you're bored, you read a book, you, and you know how to meet people. But I suppose if you think back to that first time, your first ever 
solo travel experience I think that's quite a scary moment you know when you kind of say goodbye to your friends and your family and you sort of set off into the world alone yeah definitely I think for me it's little things it's little unknown things like when I arrive at the airport how am I going to get into town Stuff like that. Am I going, you know, my flight gets in at 11pm. Is there going to be public transport running? Am I going to have to get a taxi? What am I going to say to the taxi driver? And when you haven't got a support network around you, when you do that stuff, and you might be late at night in an airport, there might not be that many people around. So you can't go to an information desk. What do you do? But I, I always quite enjoy that stuff. And, you know, when I'm there, and one of the things I'm probably going to recommend later when we when we start talking about travel tips is plan that first little bit of your journey i actually never do i'm terrible for it again tokyo trip i turned up at narita airport with my bag and literally no idea how i was getting into town i knew where i was going when i got into town but i didn't know how i was getting there and i was like okay i'm now going to try and navigate the japanese public transport system i'm going to buy a ticket uh and i'm going to get on a train and i'm going to go for the right stop and i did that and it felt like that was like okay yeah. First, first little achievement done. That, that was a pretty big sense of achievement, actually. I, 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 because... did, I did try and use the credit card receipt in the ticket barrier, but I worked... <laughs> well, I, you can't get everything right first. Time, I, I worked that one out relatively quickly. <laughs> you know? But I think it does give you a sense of achievement. I think it gives you a big sense of confidence, really. Once you've, real, you've travelled on your own for a few days or a few weeks and you realise, I can actually do this, this is fine, um, I can handle this, it's not a problem... It gives you confidence and makes you a more confident person, I think, in many other situations. One thing that I would suggest also at the beginning for someone that is is starting to thinking about the solo trip is to have a goal, you know, to have a purpose for the trip. So, of course, you know, planning the first uh, the first few days, it's, it's quite important so that you, you don't end up uh, in, in strange places and in strange situations. And we might want to talk about that security maybe later. But the idea of having something to do in the place where you go, it might be a festival, it might be, you know, learning a language, it might be uh, learning to do whatever, but something that will allow you to have kind of a, a safe uh, safeguard so that you know that you can stay alone, you can totally drive your holiday or your trip, whatever you want. But you also have that, you know, that purpose that drives you and, and gives you uh, gives you a, a safety net of people you might want to talk to, people you might want to meet. Uh, I suppose that gives you the opportunity then to go and do those, to change your plans and go and do whatever you want, but you still have something where you can fall back to, you know, actually the goal for this trip is this, even if you decide to diverge away from it for a while. Yeah, absolutely. When I, I went to Japan as well and I... I started there for two weeks and that was a really good safety net to start with my, my trip because at least I was able, first of all, to learn a little bit of Japanese that helped during my trip. Uh, but also, you know, to kind of understand how things work, like to settle down. And then after that, I was ready to actually go and go by myself and discover a little bit more of Japan without having that heavy uh, thing of oh my god I'm alone in Japan I cannot understand anything and that, that's the great thing about traveling solo is that you may not have been able to find a friend who wanted to go and study Japanese for two weeks so you just went well that's what I want to do I'm going to go and do that I'm not going to let the lack of anyone else wanting to do that stop me let's talk a little bit about loneliness because I think for me 
of all of the sort of downsides of traveling solo, loneliness is probably the one that stands out the most. And I was actually aptly listening last night to a few uh, dictaphone recordings that I made when I was traveling around Slovenia on my own. And a few of them, I, I touched on the point of feeling a little bit lonely. It was, a, it was a five-week trip, and it wasn't your typical kind of hostel backpacking trip. I was, it was a road trip, so I was in a car on my own. I was trying to meet as many local people as I could, interesting people from around the country, from, from bee, beekeepers to dormice hunters, to all sorts of like interesting people. I thought you were just going to stop at dormice there for a minute. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'd actually drink some dormouse oil, but that's a different story. One for our podcast on fascinating foods of the world, Sam. Indeed. Yeah. But I do remember having a few, a few occasions in Slovenia where I, I, felt, I felt not having people around. It hit me a little bit because there's certain occasions when you're on your own, you're travelling alone, and maybe it's a beautiful scenery, um, and you just think, oh, it'd be so nice to have someone to share this with. And the other time I remember that loneliness really hit me was when in the evenings when I would go to a restaurant or a bar to get food and, you, you know, it's like, table for one, please. And everyone else is kind of with their, you know, because kind of romantic couples or there's, you know, <laughs> group, groups of people having a great, raucous time. And that's when loneliness really hit you, hits you, I think, because it's, it's, it's heightened when you're seeing everyone else being social and you're on your own. It, it can be heightened. I think that's when it hit me most. Yeah. Um, of course, you could also take the opportunity if you wanted to, to try and, meet more people um, yeah so, so like if you take the restaurant example you you could if you wanted a bit of solitude you could take a book and sit at a table on your own or if you decided you wanted to do a bit of you know cultural outreach you could um go and sit at the bar for example and talk to the chef or the barman or uh, yeah. other locals who are doing the same thing and that, that's a time when you're going to be more approachable and people are going to come up and and introduce themselves and, and talk to you a little bit you know yeah you can kind of you can kind of and i know sometimes that situation that opportunity isn't there so not every restaurant's going to allow you to do that but in places where you can it allows you to kind of tailor your level of sociability on a sliding scale depending on how you're feeling yeah i think one of the things that's interesting i found with longer term solo travel is i remember feeling after a long time like after several weeks or some of my longer trips of some months that there's times when you don't want to bother with the small talk. You just want someone who knows you, who you can kind of be in your company with, and you don't have to kind of go through the normal kind of polite small talk questions. You just long for someone to be with someone who knows you, and you can you, know, you just connect with instantly. You're right, but sometimes I think that actually having a longer solo trip uh, experience is even better because it gives you the time to actually know other people from scratch so of course there are there is a lot of chit chat as you said like uh with people that you then never met again so sometimes when uh, when you're on a road trip and you meet fellow road trippers uh you actually get to know some people better and to spend you know maybe a few weeks with these new people that you meet and uh, and that's really precious uh, so that's something that you cannot really do with some people that you already know uh, on the topic of you know loneliness, I think you're completely right. So, I have spent many you know nights saying, "Oh my God, I'm what, what am I gonna do? There is nothing to do here." And I guess that you have to be okay with the idea of that that can happen for a few nights, and you know just take advantage of it. You probably don't have that opportunity or, or staying alone uh, 
so often in in your life so just i think embrace it just take it it won't you know it won't be forever or if you really really want to socialize then there are some you know tips that tricks that you can use you know uh, of course where you go is the first thing so maybe don't go in a fancy restaurant by yourself go to a bar yeah. go to a, you know a festival where there is music where there is a lot of people or you know there are so many uh, websites or apps now that uh, encourage meeting new people while traveling so a few one that i can think of are uh, meetups so you can go to a meetup in a in another city there is couch surfing even if you don't do couch surfing you can always you know ask people in that city well you know i'm here hello uh anyone wants to bring me around and show me around i've actually done that on the other side so in milan i've uh i couldn't host anyone but so i decided Caterina is from from milan just to uh, yeah if you haven't kind of understood my italian accent before <laughs> uh so i i i had some guests from the uk actually i was in milan i was in the navigli in milan and they were like yeah please uh bring us around and uh, you know i brought them with me in with my group of friends and they got to see stuff that they would never have seen of milan because it's like really local places where milan people go but tourists would never find because mm. you, you would know uh, where these things are so that was yeah. a great experience for them because they got to Uh, learn something new and for me because I got a new friends from Oxford yay yeah I think that's a really good point you should make uh, or I, I certainly when I've been on my trips is make the effort to put yourself in situations where you will meet some people so for example one of the things I did was um, I booked myself in for a few nights at Airbnb with a, at a hosted apartment because I wanted to meet local hosts as you say Katarina couch surfing Um, yeah, meetups and there's various other kind of groups and apps that you can actively kind of go on, which will introduce you to either to other travelers or to, to locals. A good thing is also if you have a hobby, uh, there might be, you know, people that have the same hobby there. So I'm thinking about sports. You can uh, go into their groups there and say, okay, can I play football with you or uh, do stuff like that or hobbies of any other kind you know so so there's there can be loneliness on the road um and as as katarina says like part of that part of the travel traveling solo experience you will experience a bit of loneliness you can minimize it if you want by actively going to places and meeting other people but you should probably also as katarina says get comfortable with your own company a little bit um yeah i think it's very important yeah and just because that's part of the overall experience of traveling solo There are some times, some situation in which you really wish you had a friend with you, though. Yeah. Uh, so one of them is like, okay, you decided to do a beach holiday and you're in the sand and it's amazing and you just want to go into the water and have that, you know, amazing <laughs> swim that you have dreamt for so long. And, oh, my God, I have my bag. Uh, where do I put the bag? Uh, so th there are certain situations in which uh, you have to think it through before yeah you know actually doing stuff in, in the same way i suppose you know if you it, when you're traveling as a group or a couple it's so much easier when you one of you wants to pop to the toilet you know i'll just look after my bags i'm just popping the toilet those sort of things can be a bit more tricky do you think it's possible to build the level of trust where you'd let someone watch your bag while you went for a swim for 20 minutes with somebody who you met on the trip i mean how long do you think that would take oh yeah well i've i have built that trust but uh 
I guess it really depends. So I wouldn't let someone watch my bag, you know, if I met them half an hour. But if, yeah. you know, if, if I met in a few days and I had various interaction and I don't know, I know where they stay. I know who they are, you know. I know the surname, for example. Yeah. Uh, then yes, I yeah. would. <laughs> and it's really easy if... There's obviously many, many different types of trips you can do as a solo traveller. Um, it's very easy to plug into the kind of backpacker network. You know, there's wherever you go in the world, there tends to be hostels. If you stay in a dorm room in a hostel, it's a really easy way of meeting lots of other solo travellers. And you can pretty easily just plug into that network and very quickly meet other like-minded travellers. Yeah, sorry, not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my hostel, well, my, my dorm days are probably over, but I, I've spent many, many, many nights in, in dorms and it is a good way of meeting people. You, yeah. can, you can balance it with a hostel, I think. So a lot of hostels now will have private or double rooms and you can take advantage of like the common areas and the shared areas and the bar and the pool table and all of those things that a lot of hostels will have without actually having to sleep in the 12-person dorm with... Everything that comes with that. I mean, I I used to love it. It's just my back. It doesn't agree with it anymore. Uh, Best hostel I've ever been is in San Francisco. Uh, Can I do some uh, advertising here? Yeah. So it's it's called Green Tortoise Hostel. Green Tortoise. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, they have this great hostel. They have hostel all around uh, California, actually. But this one is really good. And there is amazing common areas. And there is also a sauna. Uh, weirdly enough in this hostel I mean I met people from 20 years old and the oldest one it was like 65 old lady uh, coming from Melbourne and deciding to do a hostel trip Uh, everyone was you know in uh, in in the same common areas talking and having you know every kind of, of, of good conversation the good thing is and I think this is another good tip you know if you travel solo if you find this kind of hostel like this one in which the hostel also organizes trip around the area so these guys also organize trips you know to Yosemite Park to uh, other places all around Nevada and uh, they also do a trip to a Burning Man so that that's already you know you know that you'll have some kind some kind of purpose and friends and yes it's traveling solo but also there is a lot of socializing it's kind of solo in a group yeah exactly do do you think there's a stigma to traveling solo so i remember when i was younger as a younger traveler like in my early 20s many moons ago i was traveling with friends and occasionally you would come across that the older guy in the hostel you know like the the 40 something kind of lone kind of travel a guy and I, I remember I used to think oh he's, he's a bit strange he's a bit weird like why is he not traveling with friends now I'm older and wiser I can and you know <laughs> now you know why now, right? now, now I'm a 45 year old <laughs> I'm not 45 I'm you know you can see it from a different perspective but do you think there is a bit of a a stigma about traveling alone and have you ever experienced that yourself I don't feel like I have um People come and talk to you. I've never, I don't think I've ever had anyone kind of look over it. I've never sensed people looking at me and going, look at that lonely old weirdo wandering around with his bag and his camera and, you know, looking a bit lost. And his beard. And his beard. Um, I I have a beard, listeners. Uh, It comes across very well on a podcast, but there you go. I think where I guess there's a bit of a cultural stigma, maybe, is coming back to that eating alone thing. Yes. Is, you know, seeing someone sitting at a restaurant table, not at a bar. I think you're fine if you're sitting at a bar, inter- like, because you can, 
you can be on your own or interact or in a cafe or a food court I think it's fine as well but if you're in a nice restaurant and you're on your own with a book I think that's something that people might yeah, look oh, over. I've at. done it so I've, many I've times. Done it too. I've <laughs> yeah. done it too, and, I, and it doesn't bother me at all. You know, but there I, is the stigma. Yes, you're yeah. right. Uh, there is still that idea. Uh, oh my god! But have you gone there alone and that nice restaurant? And have you ordered, you know, oh, table maybe, for one? Yeah. Maybe. Like, why haven't you got any? Why? Where are your friends? Maybe they book for two and they've been stood up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> I haven't. I I just want. To no, I just here. like eating yeah. on my own. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. I th- going back to the stigma bit. Um, apart from eating by yourself, I guess that um, there was a little bit of a stigma, like this uh, older lady of sixty last uh, years or uh, you know staying alone and traveling alone in the hostel it was like hmm, that's weird but it wasn't really a stigma it was just not usual and I think that um, this is kind of changing and I've seen more and more people traveling alone at every age um, of course it's still not mainstream but uh, uh, I've seen more and more I guess another type of stigma is the woman traveling alone women traveling alone um, so that's considered quite risky and uh, um, sometimes not the best option. But I've done it a lot of times uh, with my parents probably having a heart attack every time <laughs> I, I left for the airport. But uh, I'm here, I'm safe. I've never really encountered really super bad occasions just because you have to be careful. Yes, yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that and so the... the security aspect of of traveling alone which i think is certainly heightened uh, as a, a woman probably yeah how have you found that katarina in terms of the places that you've been have you felt more in danger or how's it how have you acted differently compared to if you've been with other people absolutely so i i guess that the place where you plan to go is very important so i wouldn't go in some particular places by myself probably and also the way that I behave, it's it's quite different. So uh, maybe so, I would be uh, less comfortable of you know having a night out, uh, you know, drinking uh, alone. Like even with people I meet, I will be more considerate and try you know to uh, always be in, in control of the situation. While maybe with friends, you know, you're just more relaxed and you know that you have your backs uh, yes. with each other and uh, whatever the situation you are not alone so yeah you you need to be careful and also you need to read a lot and prepare so depending on the situation like on the place where you go you really need to know what are the things that are okay and not okay for a female traveler and you need to read and prepare yes yeah that was going to be my next question you said you know there are some places that you wouldn't go so how do you find out where those places are you know where's What's what's you know with Skyscanner from... blog, of course. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we really have an article that says ten places not to go we, if you're a we, solo female we traveler? Well, we we certainly have some uh, a few articles about solo traveling and then traveling as a as a female. Yeah, all right, I'll take that all back. <laughs> no, but in general, apart from Skyscanner blog, of course, there are many um, many ways. So. Uh, one thing that I always do, uh, being female or not, is go in, you know, the government side about, you know, the, um, I don't know, the UK one, actually. Okay. No, the, the FCO. Yeah, the yeah. Foreign Office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I go there and I, I read about, you know, what are the problems in, in that area, especially, you know, if you, if you go to uh, certain places that you kind of know are, are safe, but in some others, you might not be super sure. You might have your ideas of how the... You know the places. I mean, Brazil. I had you know really bad 
thinking and I was like oh my god it's gonna be super super dangerous and I mean I'm not saying that it cannot be dangerous but if you go and read and and kind of learn uh, you can totally avoid the dangerous parts and actually staying in the more um, easy, easy parts so if you stay on the coast for example amazing people very chilled out uh, you can have your holiday and so on uh, if you go into the jungle, probably better to have someone with you, not go alone. Uh, if you go in the city, avoid you know the favelas and places near the favelas. I've heard really bad stories of tourists wanting to go and taking pictures in the favelas. Don't do that. So yes, if you read up uh, previously, if you have the time and the will, I guess there is a lot of ways to avoid. Yeah, yeah. We we, we talked earlier on about how being a solo traveler and being on your own in places can make you more approachable. And people will want to come up and talk to you. And we, we talked about that as being a, a positive aspect. But I imagine there are situations where that's that's not a positive aspect. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially as, as, a, as a girl, as a, as a female, you might incur unwanted attentions by, um, by people just, you know. How do you, uh, how do you deal with that? What's so your you, strategy? So the strategy is to be calm and, and to be honest, don't... Uh, don't react no matter what happens no matter what you know the things that these people tell you or if you don't want to interact with them or if you feel that it's not safe just don't interact don't reply don't you know don't say anything stupid because you never know uh, who the other person is and how they might you know um, react to your uh, to your words or to your actions so it's stay calm don't don't give them you know any reply and and maybe try to uh, just go into a safer environment uh, with other people as soon as possible i would say do you think there's a certain type of person who enjoys solo travel more than others like are there some people who just think solo travel is not for you because of the way that you like to be you maybe you perhaps you really you're a very social person and you don't want to be on your own. Um, or, you know, always on the flip side of that, is there, are solo travellers a little bit more, are they more loner type people? Do they enjoy their own company more? I don't know, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I'm quite, I think I'm quite a sociable person. I like I like spending time with people socially, but I also, and I think, I think probably most people in the world can relate to this. I like spending time by myself too. You know, I sometimes I just don't want to talk to anyone and um sit and do my own thing or go and explore somewhere or get lost in Tokyo by myself for a bit I don't know I suspect most people are like that big group holidays and this is maybe where I do differ from some people the idea of a big group holiday where there's 10 of you and you've all gone somewhere together and you're all having a party for two weeks that doesn't appeal to me at all and it never has it never did when I was 18 and it doesn't now yeah so, uh, I think it depends on the, on the on the actual trip so for me Probably my first major trips abroad were group holidays with you know, a group of a mixed group of uh, guys and girls. We got when we were about eighteen, got really into Magaluf. No, not Magaluf. Got really into snowboarding. Got any um, embarrassing tattoos? <laughs> no, I was never into the into the kind of the beach stuff. I'm all about the mountains, and um, yeah, we used to go snowboarding holidays. But I suppose that's very focused. You know, you're, you're all going. You have the same interest. You're going to go and spend the day on the slopes, and then it's a kind of it's different to just going somewhere and and then all having different ideas about what you're going to do in that place because you're all going to the same place to snowboard so that there's less yeah. I, I, I agree it really depends what you get from your 
want what you want to get out of your holidays slash trip. First of all, there is a difference in my opinion between holidays and trips and traveling. Uh, so I see solo travel as solo travel, not solo holiday. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you have group holidays and that's uh, something completely different. It can be super fun, but I don't have any expectation of, you know, uh, knowing the locals, uh, you know, being really super into the uh, culture and stuff or doing what I want. I know I will have to compromise. I know it's all about actually spending time with my friends rather than, you know, in another place, in a nicer environment with new things to do and whatever. But still, it is about the group. It is about spending time with your loved ones, being friends, being, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, or whoever, family. Uh, while solo traveler allows you, I think it's it's a, it's more of a travel, it's more of an experience that you, a knowledge experience, if you want. Like, Yeah, I agree, actually. That's, that's, a, that's a good summation. It's more, solo travel is generally more of an adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's about, yeah, exploring a place, building your knowledge of a place, and of, now oh, that's going to sound really pretentious, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here we go. And of yourself as well. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think for, for me, like the reasons why I go solo traveling, in some ways it's, it's kind of a default. Like generally I say, right, in my head, I want to go to this place. And for whatever reason, sometimes other people aren't up for that because they can't get the time off or they, they're not interested in that place. So I've always said, that's cool. I'm happy to go and do this on my own because it's the thing I really want to do. So that's generally the way I've kind of ended up solo traveling. And now I, I kind of, that's the way I think. I, I want to go here. I'm going to go here. If there's some other people that want to come for a, all or part of that trip, then that, that would be cool. But I'm completely happy to go off and do this on my own. Yeah. I, I think for me, I'm finding that, you know, I'm when I go and travel on my own, I, I often discover places that I really love and... I went to just because I wanted to go to that place, not because I wanted to go on a trip with someone. So my Tokyo trip's a great example of that. I'd always wanted to go. Something happened uh, that I've talked about on the podcast before that made me think that life's too short to not go. So I went. I found myself a nice cheap flight on Skyscanner and off I toddled. Um, and now, now I'm back. I'm now thinking, okay, well, I, I have somebody who I know, who I enjoy traveling with. And now I'm thinking I would like to take that person to some of the places that I found in Tokyo last time I went and go, Look, this, this place is great and the food here is awesome. And, you know, uh, and, that, and now share some of that experience that I had on my own the first time, which doesn't take away from how much I enjoyed the solo experience. You, you, you just made me th- think about something also very important. So uh, you have uh, a traveling partner, someone you really enjoyed traveling with uh, so sometimes this is easier or maybe it's not if you have a proper partner a life partner so like your life partner might be or not be depending uh, your traveling partner so you might you know find someone that you really like to travel with or not uh, but whether you have or not a life partner I think it's it's quite a different thing to have a travel uh, the perfect travel partner so the, the kind <laughs> of person that has your same rhythm uh, the does to want to do the kind of things that you want to do and so on so um, I've traveled solo a lot but I've also traveled with a lot of uh, people so in big groups small groups still haven't found you know the the perfect I found a lot of people I enjoyed traveling with perfectly fine perfect good time like nothing to complain but that perfect travel partner I think it's something very rare 
And, that, and maybe that's the perfect travel partner is yourself, right? That's <laughs> like yes. Uh, maybe you just need to clone yourself, Katrina. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about that a couple of times. It's a danger in hanging out with somebody too similar, I think. No, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, The perfect travel partner might not be similar to you. It might be the complete opposite. So, for example, I enjoy a lot of traveling with people that are uh, super sociable and want to go party and so on because I know that sometimes I'm a little lazy. So if, like, you know, it's 10, it's okay, I'm tired tomorrow. We have to wake up at 8 to go that, see that. So I'm going to... So having someone complete opposite that, you know, brings me along and say, come on, Katarina, let's go and let's have fun. You know, that's also a very positive thing that you yeah. might not get during, you know, your solo traveler because there you just say you know what gotta stay home and then sleep well <laughs> and sometimes i suppose it's worth that that person who you travel with i know we're now talking about we're not really talking about solo traveling anymore but yes. that person who you travel with it needs to be a sometimes i think it needs to be a person who's not going to get offended if you say i want to spend some time by myself actually no no tell you what you go out and go and go to the nightclub and i'm going to sit in the airbnb and read my book tonight and then tomorrow we'll go to the pub you know because some, sometimes that's that's just what you want you just need a bit of time yeah, on your me, own bit of me time yeah one thing we've just been uh, debating off air ha. is um the length of a trip a solo trip like the what is the perfect length for a, a solo travel trip and um Katarina is of the, of the opinion that a longer trip is better and it's only spending several days or weeks that you really get into the flow. But saying that, I wouldn't let that stop me. Like I've done also lots of short trips on my own. Like I went to um, Yangon for like a long weekend um, on my own because it was an opportunity and I knew that it was either don't go at all or go alone. And I thought, well, brilliant, I'm, I'm up for that. I think that's slightly different though because you know like you said it was an opportunity to go and visit a place that you were interested in and i'm sure you would have enjoyed the opportunity to spend a bit more time there and explore on your own for me and i'm pretty sure i'm going to get a chorus of disagreement here something like a three-day city break or something like that is is something that you do with a with a friend or a partner it's it's you know it's not long enough to really get a feel for a place on your own it's that difference between going on holiday and going on an adventure and exploring to me to me I like you know you guys are probably going to disagree with that I'd say I'd say you can still do that trip as a solo traveller if you want to and you could if if you you could either do it totally solo and not bother meeting people or you could plan that trip and design that trip in a way that you would meet other people so like what Katarina was saying before you could you could go to the like the meetup um, website, or you could couch surf, or you could get an Airbnb with a host, which would straight away hook you into the local network if you wanted to do that. Yeah, I suppose. So I guess that we go back to the difference between you know uh, being social, but like casually with the new people that you meet, and then you know in three days you won't have the time to actually proper create new uh, friendship. While for sure in a longer trip maybe maybe sometimes it happens that you actually build up relationship that you know lasts a little bit longer because you have more time to to share with your newfound friends uh, i tend to both agree and disagree with what you say so i'm not, i'm not really sure um i had done just recently uh, a long weekend by myself in penang and i mean I didn't meet many people apart from, you know, the taxi drivers that brought me around and, you know, a few random people in uh, bar and restaurants just to have a chat with. Uh, 
But that was the point. I, I went there to kind of see Penang, to kind of experience what it was, to see, you know, um, the, the beauty of, of the city. And I did that. And in the meantime, I holidayed. So I relaxed. I, I had my time. I had a great time for my, by myself. But that's what I wanted. So I think that's that's what it all comes down to, isn't it? Is what do you want to get out of your trip? And if it was, I actually I want to spend a bit of time on my own exploring a beautiful place, but actually I only need three days to do it. Then okay, absolutely, why not? Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I had of course less uh, opportunities to actually, you know, connect with people. And and on that you're right. So I d- I didn't have the idea that you know because I was going alone, I would have had a, a better understanding, you know, of the. Uh, of the place of the local and of the culture compared to if I was going with a friend. No, probably I had exactly the same experience because it was so short that I didn't really have the, had the time at, you know, to, I probably would have had the same conversation with the taxi driver and, you know, the, the hotel guy, even if I was with, uh, with someone. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, you know, it was still good. Uh, there is also the thing we were talking about this before offline of, you know, right now, uh, you know, you have all this, uh, possibility of still connecting with the, the people you love, the people close to you through, uh, so many, you know, technological devices. So, uh, I'm always, I was there, but I was talking to my mom, to my best friend, to my, uh, to everyone. So yes, it was like, being home but at the same time experiencing completely something completely new and being able to share this uh, with the people I, I love that maybe were 10,000 uh, kilometers away. I think that's an interesting point so one of the things I certainly noticed when I was traveling alone and it's connected with the loneliness um, point is that there's certain moments and just certain little times when you sort of wish that you had someone with you to to share an amazing view or an amazing um, yeah. meal or even things like Sometimes the mundane things in travel, like the boring stuff, you're on a long bus trip or something, it'd just be good to have your friend to chat to. Play, but, a, play a card game and just talk rubbish for a while. Exactly. Yeah. But Hugh, you mentioned that, and as Catherine just alluded to there, that nowadays with we are so much more connected with mobile phones and WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger and the like that you can kind of share your trip as you go along a bit more, which maybe reduces that feeling of... Of being, of feeling alone, and feeling that your your friends are missing out, or you're missing out on your friends' company. It doesn't. It doesn't. I think, yeah, it can help mitigate that loneliness a little bit, maybe, um, and it allows you to send pictures of where you are and say, "Hey, look at this cool thing." And annoy people. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's not this. It's not the same experience of seeing it with your eyes with somebody there and sharing that experience. So no, it's not. At all. You know, there were quite a few times when I was in Tokyo when I. I thought, you know, my, my partner would really love this and I'd take a picture and send it to her, but it's not quite the same thing. Okay. Whereas, you know, we were in India earlier this year and found ourselves sitting in a tea garden at, overlooking the border with Nepal at 7,000 feet. And just the two of us just sat there in silence and looked over this landscape and kind of arm in arm. And you really couldn't do that with a phone snap, you know? Um, I couldn't have WhatsApped that experience yeah, and I think that's a really actually quite an important point about solo travel. If you are genuinely on your own, we're not talking about solo travel where you, you can make new friends, but if you're actually on your own and you're having an amazing experience, but on your own, that experience will never be shared with anyone else. You won't have that thing. You know, often when you go on a really good trip with friends and you could, you, you've bonded over that trip for life, 
you look back, oh, remember that time in Penang when we did this? I remember that time in Tokyo? You'll never have that on the solo trip. It's your experience and your experience only, which is maybe a good and a bad I think, thing. I think I was about to say, that's that's there's two sides to that. That can be a good thing. That's like, this is just for me. This is amazing. Like, no one else... I mean, other people might go to the same place, but no one else is experiencing this right now. This is great. This is just for me. But on the other hand, you know, you can be thinking, I know someone who I who I love or who I know would really enjoy this and I wish they were experiencing it with me. Yeah. So for me, the thing is that a lot of my solo travels uh, ended up to be the best time of my life. And um, I had great experiences. And as you said, the, the sad thing is was that when I came back home and I talked to my friends, they weren't there to experience that. So it, it was fun to you know tell them what I experienced and everything. But that experience, it was just for me. Uh, to to remember but it was not really just for me because it was for me and the people and the new people I met and the new friendship I made so actually it's uh, it was still a shared experience but not with your usual friends with with someone else uh, maybe it's you know at the the other part of the world I I still am in contact uh, with you know the person that uh, you know in Fifi Island uh, was doing me massage every night and you know we talked uh, our life uh, together and she still sent me picture of her new baby or whatever nobody knows apart from me of this lady and you know of the things that we have uh, talked about in uh, very very uh, bad english for both of us <laughs> but we we were able to share honestly our life and our hearts and it's just between us okay maybe i've never talked about her in particular uh, with any of my best friends but i know she's there she knows i'm here and that's great yeah, and I think that is probably, if we're going to sort of boil it down to what is the, the best thing about solo travel, I think, I think Katarina, that, that really is it. It's, it's because you're not with the people that you know that you will, if you want to, definitely end up meeting both locals and other travellers, which you will then go on to have these amazing experiences with. And it's not to say, you, of course, you can have amazing experiences when you're travelling with your normal friends and with your normal partner, but there's something there is something different about solo travel it takes you out of the comfort zone it puts you into a a new realm and you will the adventure is heightened you meet new people and the memories that you make with those new people uh, are going to be with you for life yeah absolutely and not only you might you might actually meet uh you know uh your new life partner it happened it happens all the time you know you uh you travel you meet new people and they they don't just become friends, but they become your girlfriend or boyfriend. And, you know, you, you start new incredible relationship because uh, you have done that trip and you have shared that experience together. So that's another good point uh, of discussion. Is it easier for a single person to do solo traveler, uh, solo travel, or is it the same for a single person or uh, someone that has a, has a partner? Hmm. That's an interesting point. I mean... I think the, the, the practical nature of the travel is the same. You know, you're still, yeah. everything is, nothing changes if you've got a, a partner back home or not. I suppose I would say if you are single, that you're maybe that little bit more free. You know, you don't have to think about phoning your, your girlfriend or boyfriend or staying in touch. You're completely and utterly free. Um, if you have a partner back home, then obviously you have to sort of think about that as well. I also see, I also guess that if you have a partner back home, the partner might get, you know, a little bit uh, 
worried because uh, especially you know if you're a girl you travel alone sometimes you know uh, you're around you you'll get attention from uh, other um, males that might not be just friendship attention mm-hmm. uh, so and and rightly so your partner might be a little bit worried about you know uh, the, the the type of interaction that you that you have or uh, the opportunities that you have uh, out there and I don't know th- does it make any sense you I know you you are uh, in a couple <laughs> I am I am as you say in a couple in a couple um, yeah well I mean all, all of my my recent um, solo traveling excursions have been while I've been in the, in this relationship, and there's certainly an aspect of like like I was saying before when I was in Tokyo, I, I would often think, oh, you know, she'd really like this particular thing that we're doing, this this view from this tourist attraction, or um, or this or that, and you know, you do have that link back home, so you are, you know, you're taking pictures and you're sending them back and you're talking all the time, and that's that's fine it's not the same as having somebody there I think to be honest at the time you know it was a relatively new relationship and I booked the trip before we were together so um so we were talking we were talking all the time when I was there but there wasn't an opportunity to both go together um I think now it's it's increasingly unlikely that I would go and do that I think because you know it's it's a bit more serious so if if I was if we were going to go to Tokyo then we would go together I think yeah, I think it's less likely now that it's it's quite a serious relationship. So this this is a you know quite important point. So solo travelers seem to be a little bit more difficult for someone in a relationship. Uh, should it be? Having said that, I am doing my trip to Belgium with somebody else. <laughs> I, I think she's not as much as a dear beer drinker as you. <laughs> <laughs> not as much, no. I think it's a good, it's interesting point, Katrina. I think that, I suppose if you think about it in a practical way, you've only got a certain amount of days of holiday that you can take per year, or most people do. So if you're kind of saying to your other half, well, I want to take two weeks on my own, I can see how that might not go down too well with your other half. Um, But I guess it depends on the type of relationship as well. It does, yeah. I some some people might you know just like to spend all the time uh, you know during during their year together and then you know those two weeks by themselves is not actually a big deal uh, maybe on the other hand if you are in a long distance relationship in that case you might want to you know <laughs> use your uh, your free time to stay together so I, yeah yeah so does that mean that solo travel is only ever going to be the kind of second choice do you think are people traveling solo through choice or through the fact that there's no one else who happens to be available for that trip? Well, for me, it's a choice. It has also been the second choice at times. So maybe some sometimes I really wanted to go somewhere with someone um, and, and it was the second choice. But most of the time it was a choice. So I wanted to go there alone. Uh, sometimes actually... I wanted to go there alone and then someone wanted to come with me. So the second choice was actually going with someone else. I guess that the important thing is wanting to go solo traveler, uh, solo travel. So uh, there are, you asked before, are there people, you know, that might, you know, be less um, keen, keen exactly for, of, of solo traveler. Probably there are. I mean, I know people that they really, just you know want to stay with the people they love with the their loved ones and uh, 
uh, they don't care about having uh, alone time or maybe yeah. they don't particularly care about you know uh, knowing a lot about the place or whatever or they're okay with just you know uh, doing it with um, with with the people they love and that's and that's perfectly okay yeah uh, so I guess that there are people who just I, don't I care can, about it I'm thinking of my own social kind of circle and I have I can think of two who are quite different so we've got guy called we call him fat bob although he's not fat or called bob he is called bob but he's not fat but bob <laughs> bob is i can't see bob doing a solo trip he's um he likes to be in the kind of with people in the in the comfort of a group um i couldn't see him kind of heading off to the himalayas to climb everest on his own or you know doing a yeah, Bat- wouldn't that do that? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's seriously that, risky. That, that, that is seriously risky. But even you know, I, I couldn't see him really enjoying a trip to, to, to India to find himself on his own. That's not. He likes to be in there, kind of have people around him. And then there's another friend, Chris, who I remember he did a solo cycling trip from Canada to Mexico, you know, on his own. So everyone has this friend your friends are nutcases right you've got one who wants to climb Everest on his own he doesn't want to climb Everest yeah okay no he doesn't and the other one who likes to cycle continents well that just shows us I think a lot of it is down to personality there's certain people I know who would just would never do this and there's certain people who have that kind of adventurous and self-reliant nature that they're, they're comfortable with it yeah absolutely have either of you done Longish solo trips when you've had a partner at home. Mm. Not no, not re- not long ones. No, not proper relationship at home, like long, yeah, longer uh, lasting relationship. No, I-, I can see that. As I said before, I think you'd have to have quite an understanding partner if you said, right, I'm just going to head off for uh, eight weeks. To- <laughs> well, I do. I do know people that have that kind of situation. So. Uh, one of my best friends, his um, his partner, uh, you know, doesn't like to trek for three weeks into the, you know the Yosemite Park. Uh, so yeah, that happens absolutely. And uh, you know, um, my friend Sky, he goes uh, by himself, you know, into the mountains and treks with a little little backpack uh, for m- several weeks uh, by himself. Uh, with no food, I I really think he's crazy. By the way, uh, <laughs> and uh, and his partner is at home, and that's okay. We are all at home, very very worried, Sky. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- you know they they are totally understanding. Okay, so in summary, we we've talked about lots of different things on this uh, podcast, but overall. We- certainly our own experiences of traveling alone and also the experiences of everyone else that I know who has done it has been extremely positive um, it's been enriching they've met loads of amazing people on the road who often they remain to be friends with you know often lifelong friends in some cases even partners you know wives husbands so I would say if you're thinking about solo travel you should definitely go and do it go for it Absolutely, I think we're all on the. We've all come down on the on the pro side uh, after this. It's you know, absolutely. If you want to do it, go ahead and do it. There are so many pros. Yes, we have talked about some cons as well, but we also kind of gave a lot of tips of how to, you know, if you're if you're worried about loneliness or if you you know really want to to be more social or to meet more people, there are so many ways to do that. So you you don't really need to uh, you know be solo while solo traveling, uh, but you can if you want, and that's a good thing. Yeah. 
So that's all we have time for on today's travel podcast. Thanks for thanks for listening. Remember, you can listen to all of our podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. Yeah, and please do uh, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes if you liked us, or you know, even if you didn't, uh, anything is a help. But especially if you did. Yes, and that's it. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.